0: Revelation 21, still preaching about heaven. Tonight we'll read the first two verses. Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. The more I read and study about heaven the more I wonder how in the world did John find words to describe it the more I realize how little I know about this new heaven and new earth and we've looked now even a few weeks ago at the new Jerusalem And you know, Jeremy mentioned this morning about the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh and how God had given it to him or allowed it to come to him because Paul was caught up to heaven to see things and to hear things that God would not allow him to repeat. And in order to keep Paul from being too proud or arrogant, God permitted a thorn in the flesh. (laughs) But I thought about John. And I want to say tonight, no one saw what John saw. Now, as far as we know, John was probably around 90 years old when God brought these words to him. And of course, we're near the end of the book of Revelation. And I know we often call him John the Revelator. But remember, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a book about Jesus and the consummation of uh, the ages. And we've come quite a ways and yet got a a little ways to go about this new Jerusalem. We found out a few weeks ago what won't be there in verse 4, chapter 21. We looked at several verses throughout the book of Revelation to find out what those of us who are overcomers receive from God. We began last week and we looked at the wife of the Lamb. In Revelation 21, verse 2, we found out how she was adorned uh, to meet with God, if you will. In chapter 19, we look at the celebration. And folks, I want to remind you, this would be a celebration like there never has been. A wonderful time. And John said it was like a voice of a multitude. Uh, A voice of a lot of water rushing, what John said. Uh, Like a lot of thundering going on. And you can imagine, John said they were singing or saying, Hallelujah! Hallelujah to the Lord God, omnipotent who reigns. It'll be quite a celebration. Then in chapter 19, verse 7, uh, we look at the preparation of the bride. The the wife had made herself ready. And then in chapter 19, verse 8, we saw her clothing. Uh, She was clothed in fine linen, clean and white, and it represented the righteousness righteousness of uh, the saints. And I want to remind you, here we're talking about imagery here. You know, John is trying to describe, and we talk about a city and a bride and a wife. But all of this involves the people of God, the children of God. And Then in chapter 19, verse 9, we saw that those who are called to the marriage of the Lamb, they are blessed. And we ended up last week to make sure we have RSVP'd. Amen? I've already said to the Lord, I'm coming. He made the way. He paid the price. But tonight I want to focus on the beauty of this city. Let's go to verse 10 and 11, Revelation 21. Now remember John is speaking here and he's telling what went on. And John says in verse 10, Revelation 21, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone, Most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So far in the book of Revelation, back in chapter 17, when John was taken to see the great prostitute, the Bible said he was taken by the Spirit into the wilderness. When John was taken to this high mountain by the Spirit, and now from that vantage point, the angel shows John the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now, we read from verse 2 earlier, and so what we're seeing here later on in in this text tonight, we are seeing here a more more description, if you will, of what John had already mentioned back in verse 2, and now John is describing the city itself. And I want to confess tonight, the more you think you know, the less you know. Because John is trying to describe something that I believe is indescribable. The city of God. The city of God's people. And I realize we have an image of a city that John is giving us here. But I think the most important thing you need to realize, I don't want to get in trouble here. I want to be careful. What's important here are the people who make up that city. We mentioned oftentimes that the building, this building is not the church. We are the church. And understand God has prepared a people. We are the bride. We are. That city. So John is taken to see the bride. He's in the spirit. And John is trying to describe, beginning in verse 10, the beauty of this city. John says that this city has the glory of God. Now think about that. It has a radiance of. And John can only describe it like a very precious jewel, a rare jewel. And John said it was like jasper. Notice that word, like jasper, clear as crystal. And so we have to realize John didn't say the city was a jasper. He said it's like a jasper. It's clear as crystal. Now again, please understand. We simply don't want to diminish the glory of what John was trying to describe. This is the city of God. It's a place, however it may be, where we are going to spend eternity with our great God, And our Savior. Now earlier in the book of Revelation, John was shown a great prostitute, a dragon, a beast, a false prophet, and all of those things, those creatures, those beings, symbolized evil. Understand in the vision of the bride. And this beautiful city is completely the opposite. Completely the opposite picture. And I find it kind of interesting as John is trying to describe for us what he is seeing. This new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. He often draws upon Old Testament imagery. Similar to what Ezekiel did in his prophecies. And he uses the Old Testament imagery to try to describe something he's had trouble describing. Almost indescribable. He used already, we talked about it last week, the imagery of the bride. In the same fashion, this city is a picture of the future glorious dwelling place of all God's children. Earlier in chapter 21 he described eternal life in the new heaven the new earth. He describes heaven's physical characteristics and I want to say tonight folks No matter what we can imagine about how beautiful heaven is, it's better than you can imagine. It is better than we can ever imagine. And we'll go into more detail in a moment about that, but John is seeing a city. It has no lights in it. And rather than having light, the Bible says it radiates with the glory of God. And again, can you imagine the difficulty John had describing that? Now, had he lived during our time, he could have said, "If you can imagine neon lights flashing," he didn't have that. They didn't have electricity. He had no idea about that. So, because with with no electric, no neon lights to describe it, so John used the picture. Of a clear, precious jewel. Perhaps with many facets and each one radiating a light a brilliance. And I want to say tonight, a brilliance that John had never seen on this earth. So he's trying to describe the beauty of that city. Notice in verse 12 and 13, look at the wall of the city. John said the city had a great and high had had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates. At at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which were the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. During the time that John lived, most major cities had a wall around them. So, what John is doing here, he's describing a city that would have been the ideal city for those he was first writing to. The ideal city. Now by the way, however you envision this city, it's the ideal city. It's the perfect city. It is the city of God. The Bible says it was a high wall. It had 12 gates in the these walls, three on each side of the city. And on each of the gates, on each of the gates, was the name of one of the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. Think about that. And according to the text tonight, each gate had 12 angels now think about that one writer suggests that these 12 angels remind us this is not just any city, it's God's city it's God's city now I want to say again You know, the debate through the years has been can you take this literal uh, or is it all symbol? There is some symbolism here. Because I I believe that John and God, especially since God inspires this, is trying to get across more than just architecture. Because, my friend, it's God who makes a city great, it's God's people living there that makes this place great. And so there, John is trying to describe this. So again, he's describing an ideal city. A city for those in that day would have been a walled city. And the higher the walls, the more ideal it would have been. And to know you had 12 angels, 12 guards at each gate. And guess, what, guess who won't get in? Nothing ever bring harm. Now, we're going to find out later on in our text, probably not tonight, but the Bible says those gates will never be closed, they will always be open, allowing people from every nation to come into that city. But here's what I like best. I believe these open gates remind us and symbolize the fact that all of God's people are going to be there. How many know not one will be missed? Not one is going to be forgotten. All of God's people will be there. In verse 14, John begins to describe the foundation stones. John said, the wall of the city had twelve foundations. And in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So this great High wall around this city, it had 12 foundation stones. And an ancient city would have had huge stones as their foundation. I was reading just a little while ago before church tonight. They've been excavating some of the stones at Jerusalem. And some of those stones are five foot wide and uh, 30 foot long, some way up to 100 tons. And I forget, they, they were built to go down to the bedrock. And John said that this wall had 12 foundation stones. Now, what's interesting, these were certainly huge stones, And we read a moment ago that the gates, each one had a name of the tribe of Israel. So together they included all 12 tribes. But John says that these stones had the names of 12, the 12 apostles of the Lord. Now, again, please understand. No matter what your view is about how to interpret this, John is not just concerned about architecture here. There's something we cannot miss. We see the 12 tribes of Israel, and we see the 12 apostles. Now remember, in the New Testament, we're not going to read this tonight, but in Matthew Records it. Luke also recorded it in chapter 22 of Luke. But Jesus told the apostles there's going to come a day when they would rule the 12 tribes of Israel. Now I want to remind you, there's no doubt the apostles gave up a lot to follow Jesus. But the rewards were out of this world. And I don't understand all the ramifications there, what it means. That's exactly what God told them. Jesus told them when he was here. They would rule the twelve tribes of Israel. Now I would assume that these twelve apostles would not include the name of Judas. I would Again, this is only my opinion. And I don't drink coffee. I don't know what it costs for a cup. But if you take my opinion and whatever it costs for a cup of coffee, you can get a cup of coffee. I think it was probably Matthias. I don't know. But there were other apostles. Could have been Paul. I don't know. But I think the most important thing here is this. This city is the church. It is the bride of Christ. And I think the point that God wants us to get here is that the church rests on the apostles, the first followers of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 20 and 21. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. Understand, this is the city of God. It's a city where God's people will dwell. And my friend, the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, and the apostles. And I've I got to tell you, folks, and I'm, I have not been a, uh, one to uh, always try to harp on Revelation. That, this book still amazes me. I'm still struggling trying to wrap my mind around this place we call heaven. And John is trying to explain to us, trying to, to, to reveal to what he was seeing. And I think John was struggling with words as well. But I know he's working with the Holy Spirit under inspiration there. And John is saying, you know, here's what I saw. This magnificent city, the city of God, the city where the people of God dwell. And then in verse 15 through 17, John speaks about the measurements of that city. In verse 15, John said, he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with a reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and forty-four cubits, according to the measure of of a man, that is, of uh, the angel. I was reading this afternoon a little bit more about that, measuring. And any time when God instructs someone to measure something, the idea is God is getting ready to secure that for a blessing. This is God's city. The idea is preserving whatever is being measured from harm, preserving it from defilement. Now, back in chapter 11, the angel had told John to measure the temple of God and to measure the altar. But the Bible says this time the angel had a measuring rod of gold. And he takes that measuring rod of gold and the Bible says he measures the city, its gates, and its walls. And please understand, these measurements, these measurements are symbolic of a place that's going to hold all of God's people. Now think about that. And these measurements, they are multiples of 12. <laughs> and that's the number for God's people. There were 12 tribes in Israel, 12 apostles who started the church. And it's interesting, because of these multiple twelves, it reminds us, it reveals for us the perfection and the fulfillment of God's promises. Years ago, I was listening to a Woodrow Croll, and he did a series in Revelation. And I don't remember all the details, but he was trying to explain how large city is. And he was trying to give us some kind of a illustration but the bottom line he was getting across was there's plenty of room for everyone. There's plenty of room for everyone. And John said these walls were a 144. That's again 12 by 12, 12 times 12 cubits thick. about 200 feet thick. There were 12 layers in the walls, 12 gates in the city. The length and the breadth are the same. 12,000 cubits. I'm sorry, stadia. And it's interesting. That's 1,400 miles. I didn't realize that until this week when I read about this. That's the length of the Roman Empire. And this city is four squared. It's a perfect cube. Now, by the way, this is kind of interesting. How many know God knows what he's doing? And there's always a reason for what happens. The New Jerusalem is a perfect cube. Did you realize that the the most holy place in the temple was a perfect cube? Because remember, the most holy place was where God dwelled. And wherever God dwells is perfect. It's perfect. Now the city walls, their measurement was 144 cubits. About 200 feet. Again, another multiple 12. And another symbol of the perfection and completeness of this city. Now, I've got to confess something. I've, I've done a lot of building in my lifetime. A lot of remodeling. Built two homes for, for ourselves. And no matter what I've done... When I get finished, I think, boy, if I had to do it again, I'd do this different. But when God's finished, it's perfect. It's complete. He would change absolutely nothing. That's kind of interesting, again. If we're speaking about an actual wall here, it would be a whole lot thicker than any of the walls of the ancient cities of the world. It would be thicker than the Great Wall of China. But then John adds something at the end of that. He says, by so many words, by human measurements, which the angel was using. So what John was saying, the angel was measuring in cubits, And the cubit the angel was using was not any different than the cubit that those who lived in that day were used to using. Same measurement. But one theologian pointed out, which I thought was a good thought on this, he believes that in in some sense this shows when the angel says the angels measuring, but also by the measurement of men. In heaven, the divine and human will intersect. What a place it's going to be. What a glorious place, this city of God, the people of God. What a place it'll be. Verse 18, notice the material of the wall. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. The city was pure gold. Like unto clear glass. Now remember, John's trying to describe the indescribable. He's looking for words to try to at least give us some sort of semblance of what this building of the wall was. What it looked like. And John says it was made of jasper. And I find that kind of interesting because back in chapter 4, verse 3, God's described as appearing like jasper. But I think the key here is, and and again, John is interest, interested more than this architecture. I think the point is, everything in that city will radiate with the glory of God. With the glory of God. Radiate the presence of God in that city. Again, this holy city in the shape of a perfect cube. Uh, Again, similar to the most holy place in the tabernacle. Uh, And I was reading this past week or so in 2 Kings in my daily Bible reading in uh, Solomon's Temple. What a building that must have been. And it was splendid. I mean, overlaid with gold. But I want to tell you, Solomon's temple doesn't hold a candle to the New Jerusalem. God's holy city. And just as the holy place in Solomon's temple was splendid, this entire city. Now, in Solomon's temple, the things were overlaid with gold. But John says, this entire city is pure gold. It is clear as glass. Again, I'm convinced that John is not just speaking of architecture here, but the clearness that John is speaking about lets us know there will be no impurity in heaven. None at all. Nothing will hinder this new Jerusalem in its ability to transmit the glory of God. Folks, we can't imagine. We simply can't imagine. In verse 19 and 20, we see how the foundations are adorned. Look what it says. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, an emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, crystallite. The eighth, beryl the ninth topaz, the tenth Christopraeus, the eleventh Jason, the twelfth Amethyst. Now it's interesting, those foundations, those twelve foundations, those twelve stones were adorned with precious stones. Now, it's interesting exactly what that means. We're not sure. Um, We know that the breastplate of the high priest had 12 precious stones on it. And they represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But here's what most scholars believe. In this city, those 12 foundation stones will be adorned with twelve precious stones. And many believe that what that is telling us, that once what had been the privilege of only the high priest, only he alone could go into the Holy of Holies, no one else, he alone could only go in once a year. But now that these 12 foundations are adorned with 12 precious stones, many believe it lets us know that that privilege that one time only the high priest has, we now have on. Everybody does. In the city of God. And you know the story, the high priest would enter this most holy place. And again, the same shape of the city, a perfect cube. And only on the day of atonement, and he'd make a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. And the most holy place was a place of God's presence. And the Bible says in the New Jerusalem, All of God's people, folks, we will constantly, every day, every moment, be in God's presence. Sharing the glory of God. And the great news is, nothing will ever again separate us from the presence of God. What a city it's going to be. And those names of those stones... And I confess they're hard to pronounce, some of them are. I don't know what a lot of them were, but different jewels, different colors. Every one of them rare, every one of them beautiful. And the picture that John gives about this city indicates a beauty indescribable. A city that God's preparing for us. Verse 21, look at the uh, material. And I I had to put this in, okay, in my notes. The material of the gates and Main Street. What are you shaking your head about, Rick? Yeah. (laughs) Revelation 21, 21. I'll explain that in a minute, by the way. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street, you see what it says? Street, make sure you understand there's no S on the end, and the Greek word indicates main street. Okay? The street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Anybody have any pearls? Anybody? Cheryl, you got some? Huh? You got fake ones? How'd you afford them? <laughs> you got pearls? Okay. Now these were pretty good size. You got, you got any pearls as big as a gate? Could you imagine that? Can Can you imagine the value? And you know we know that even in biblical days pearls were valuable. Uh, Jesus gave the illustration of the of the parable of a man who found a pearl of great price, and he went and sold everything he had to be able to, to to buy that that pearl. Of course, talking about heaven, getting uh, you know being saved and so forth. So very valuable, if you will. And so we got a pearl here, large enough. To make a gate. <laughs> now I got to tell you folks. That's beyond imagination. But remember. John is telling what he saw. This is what he saw. But notice also. And again I emphasize. The main street. Was pure gold. Was pure gold. And John said it was as clear as glass, just like the rest of the city. Now think about that. Again, I, I, I can't overemphasize, God, God is more concerned, John is more concerned than, uh, about architecture here. But we're talking about the purity of this city. There is nothing impure there. Nothing at all. And so again, even in these words, the emphasis on the purity and the transparency in order to radiate the glory of God. And my friend, everything in that city and everyone in that city is going to radiate the glory of God. What a city it's going to be. What a place it's going to be. And it's ours for eternity. Now, uh, wow, then we come to verse 22, and something kind of surprising, chapter 21, John says, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. I find it interesting tonight, this beautiful city that John is describing, and I can't prove this, but I tend to believe that John expected to see a temple there, because this beautiful city, like any other city in the ancient world, was expected to have a temple, a central place of worship. And in the pagan world, a lot of ancient cities would have several temples representing the different gods they served or worshipped. But we know enough to know about Jerusalem, the focal point of worship in Jerusalem was God's temple and that temple in Jerusalem was the center of God's presence the center of God's presence among his people and because of that it was a primary place of worship but John says in this new Jerusalem John says, I didn't see a temple. You know why? Because God's presence is everywhere. Now, please understand, I know that God is omnipresent. But we're talking about a presence in a different way like we've never seen before. And because God's presence was everywhere, there was no temple needed in this country. New Jerusalem. God's presence would be everywhere and God is going to be worshipped throughout the city. He will radiate throughout the city. Now remember, this New Jerusalem, perfect cube, it's modeled after the Holy of Holies and because it's modeled after the Holy of Holies, that city didn't need a temple. Why? Because that is where God dwells. His presence is in the entire city. Now here's what amazes me. Well, a lot of things amaze me about God. But do you realize right now God dwells in us. The church. We are his temple. We are His sanctuary. Don't ask me to explain it. I will never understand in this life why or how the God of the universe can tabernacle within me, but He does. And you. But here's what's interesting. Right now, God dwells in us. But there's coming a day When the church is perfected, that God, that we will dwell in him, and he will be our temple. The presence of God, in a way we've never dreamed. You've read and studied the Old Testament to some degree, I'm sure. You know, there was a holy place in the temple and a most holy place. The most holy place. The Greek term naos referred to the most sacred portion of the temple. The sanctuary of God. And that's the word John uses here. We will be, God will be our naos. God will dwell with us. God is going to be our sanctuary. But here's the important thing. John said there's no temple there. Because John says the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And don't miss this, folks. Their presence is enough. Is enough. Verse 23. The city had no need of the sun, need of the moon to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. What a place. Amen. What a place. We'll pick it up next week. but Can you imagine? And the only reason we will be there is because Jesus paid the price. He died for our sins. I'm reminded tonight of what Jesus told the disciples in John 14. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And may I say tonight, what a place he prepared. Let's stand together. Folks, thank you so much tonight for coming. And I'm so glad that we've already made preparations through Christ our Lord. And I would challenge anyone who's listening online, if you've never received Christ, do it now. Because one thing that will not be in that city will be darkness. And darkness represents sin. Because that city is pure and holy. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of heaven. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.